Today's episode of The Shameless Picture Show is sponsored by Mill Creek Entertainment. Mill Creek is the industry leader when it comes to value price DVD and Blu-ray features and compilations. They have one of the largest catalogs out there, ranging from kids programming, classic films and television, independent cinema, documentary, and Latino cinema. Hell, they even produce their own content in-house. Mill Creek is a trusted partner with some of our favorite studios, including Sony Pictures, Walt Disney Entertainment, Warner Brothers, CBS Home Entertainment, and many more. And the best part about Mill Creek is how easy they are to find. Mill Creek has deals with thousands of big box stores, grocery stores, drug stores, and practically any other retailer you can imagine. Trust me when I say I've owned plenty throughout my time as a collector without even realizing it. They're a name I can trust. Some of my favorite releases include Can't Hardly Wait, Night of the Living Dead, House on Haunted Hill from their Vincent Price collection, the complete series of Quantum Leap, the complete series of The Secret World of Alex Mack, and of course, you're the hunter from the future. Head over to www.milkcreekent.com, that's milkcreekent.com, and see what their collection has to offer. I guarantee you'll find something great. I think I should just write an entire intro on iambic pentameter and see what Ooh. happens. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie? Whoa, which way? Hold on, my gain's all out of my gain is all out of whack. All right, I think we're good now. Have you ever seen um, the movie Tromeo and Juliet? I have. Okay, so you have seen it. Um, Lloyd told me, Lloyd Kaufman of Troma Entertainment, uh, just casually going to name drop him, uh, <laughs> told me that um, all of Le- uh, Lemmy's lines in that movie were written in iambic pentameter. Oh my god, that's awesome. I don't know how strict they were to be making sure it stayed in iambic pentameter, but <laughs> it's still pretty great to know that someone took the time to make sure that Lemmy... <laughs> was 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 an iambic pentameter <laughs> i don't it's been a while since i've seen it um my my biggest memory of the film was realizing that kirk from the gilmore girls was in it is he who's he play yeah um i'd have to look it up hmm. but it's also one, like james gunn's first like oh movie. james gunn yeah, yeah. He, he wrote it and co-directed it so like Oh yeah, I guess, I guess uh, James Gunn's brother isn't Gilmore Girls. So wait, oh hold, hold James on. James Gunn d- wrote and directed Guardians of the Galaxy, but his brother is also in those movies. Who is also in Gilmore Girls? Yes. Okay. Sean Gunn. Yeah, is Sean his brother. Gunn. Fun fact. There it about, is. Fun fact about Sean Gunn. So Bradley Cooper does the voice of Rocket Raccoon, but Sean Gunn does all the mocap for it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like i love it because he plays a character in those movies as well right uh but in the first movie there's some uh, if you watch the special features there's like great scenes of like dave batista in full makeup just stroking sean gunn's head and sean gunn's just in a <laughs> green jumpsuit <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> there's there's videos and pictures of it online it's definitely worth checking out because it's it's pretty spectacular I am so glad we are recording our audio now. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I had no idea that James and Sean Dunn were, were brothers. Despite the fact they had the same last name. Right, yeah. <laughs> but Dunn, it's uh, like, I wouldn't say it's common, but it's also maybe that's... simple enough that you don't necessarily go, oh, they must be related. No, that's that's a 100% fair point. Uh, what I would say to do is next time, like, next 
if you see them right next to each other, they're like spitting images of each other. Yeah. So like it's hard not to see it then after yeah, a certain point. I I I think this is the first time that I've seen a image of James Gunn, probably. <laughs> he looks just like him, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Like their hair's a little different. So how have you been, Nick? I've been good. How's the house? We're we're mostly spending our energy settling into the new place. Um, it's gorgeous, and well, I imagine it's a it's a big old house in Mm. Maryland. What's you know, of course, it's gorgeous. Um, we got uh, a new couch during the Black Friday sale. A big old snuggly sectional. Nice, nice. Uh, Got the TV mounted and all of the components hooked up um we it's got, weird that that process of of things is simultaneously my favorite and least favorite part of it right <laughs> like i love the problem solving aspect of it but i hate cable management <laughs> we we hooked it all up and then we decided that given where it is we wanted a different tv stand so we found a different tv stand but then i had to undo it all and redo it all <laughs> You didn't just do the whole thing where you just hold up the TV and slide the... Slide oh. <laughs> well, it all had to, like, be wired through the oh. back of the unit. And... Last time I, d- I did any hookups is when we bought the house. Yep. And I, I could finally get my surround sound speakers hooked up. And uh, I was I was trying to save money because we just bought a house. And I was like, hey, good. Was like, I've got these nice tower speakers. We can use as fronts. I can use my the bookshelves I were was using as backs and save some money. We can just get some you know some stands or whatever. And she's like, yeah, but those are huge. I was like, well, yeah, but you know, yeah, that's what we have. And she's like, I'd rather you go out and buy new speakers that are smaller. I'm like, okay, because <laughs> the ones I was using for like or were from like the '90s, so it's like they were. You know, not in the best of shape. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so I went to Best Buy and bought some really small ones. I want to say they're only like this big, and that they can be mounted to the wall. And then uh, I was running wires, and I unfortunately only measured once. <laughs> Thankfully, the house had holes drilled in the two spots I needed them. Okay. So I could just run the wires down, and I was putting them through the ducking and everything, and so it looked nice, and they weren't drooping down. I was this far off. Oh. and i was like motherfucker and i tried it on both speakers to see if maybe it would fit to one but i thought even if i can get it to fit it's gonna be so tight right that's right. more than likely gonna come, come unplugged so it's like okay and so then i just cut that down and used it for my left and rights i then ran another one to get down there and i ran out halfway of cable <laughs> so then i had to go to best buy to buy more <laughs> And here I've already run it through twice, you know, all nice and everything. But by the second time I did it, I was just trying to make sure it, was, it fits. I forgot to run it through and make it look nice. So now in the basement, it's just drooping. <laughs> <laughs> all of that work the first to- two times. For nothing. And I keep telling myself, like, eh, I'll fix it later. I'll fix it later. <laughs> but I never did. I yeah. never did. I probably never will. Unless, you know, like, if we actually do something to the basement, maybe then I will. But it's like, yeah. no one goes down there, especially no one goes down in the back corner where it's drooping down. Okay. So it's like... <sighs> it's lower on the priority list. Yes, yes. But, like, I hate cable management. Like, you know, trying to get everything bound together as one and, you know, put the zip ties and everything. Just because... Right. Well, I'm glad the house is coming together, man. Yeah. I've, I've, been, I've, been, I've been thinking about you because we haven't, we haven't gotten to play D&D for a very long time. Right. But our, my schedule sucked, too, because it's the holidays. Yeah. And, um, 
So it's pretty much like I look forward to this show because then I can catch up with Nick. Yeah. We do finally have internet. We just got internet back on a, uh, at the no, end of last not. week. Um, now you but can I'm stream. Also, yeah. But I'm also fighting those uh, town council meetings right now. So um, we now have the capability to do the D&D again. It's just a matter of scheduling at this point. Town council meeting. This just sounds so important. Right, yeah. When, like I um, should be ringing a big bell. Yeah. Town crier. Town crier. <laughs> Congratulations, Ned. You are our new town crier. Down! May your shrill nasal voice ring throughout our streets and brains. <laughs> well, thankfully, Bank Mayor, I shan't disappoint. Har ye, har ye. I declare myself pickled tank about Springfield's bicentennial, titantoodly, rententennial day. You saw diddly yuck, Flanders. Give me that. Hear ye, hear ye. Ye old town crier proclaimed crappy by all. Joseph Palmer Simpson, and he shall rock thy world. Good. God, he is fabulous. Mm, he's embiggened that role with his cromulent performance. Top-notch criering, I admit. But the hat and bell belong to Flanders, so no dice. Oh, they're just family heirlooms. That shouldn't stand in the way of Homer taking my job. And- Less chat, more hat. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! All hollering, all the time! I'm gonna make You ought to restrict your cry ring to the parade and selected pre-approved publicity events. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Nick? I think I'm good. Well, yes, there are two things that I want to talk about. Fred Claus and Santa with muscles. <laughs> I'm looking forward to our, our um, controversial... I think this is going to be a big episode. I think this is yes. going to be this is this will determine the future of the podcast. I think it's there's this gonna important. Hot, there, there's going to be a hot take later on in the episode. We don't want to spoil the league because no. we want to get through everything else first. <laughs> but this episode could potentially piss some people off. <laughs> but I'm going to read my intro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sip a coffee for the working man. I have no coffee today. Ah, it sucks to be. <laughs> Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Virus, and with me, as always, is a man who appeared in my life right at the Saint Nick of Time. <gasps> That's me, Nick Richards. Yeah. So that was actually the tagline for Santa with Muscles. He arrived oh, at the Saint Nick of Time. Nice. And I was like, ah, that's amazing. <laughs> and it also worked because you are Nick. If, oh, so many levels. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So there, there's a lot going on there, so, and I love Christmas, so there, there's just, you know. There's a lot to un- unpack in that one little line. It's, it's pleasant. <laughs> it's pleasant. And I'm glad that you also appreciated it. So, anyways, <laughs> today we're celebrating our three-year anniversary of doing the Shameless Picture Show. There's been ups, there's been downs, there's been sideways, but when it comes down to it, I feel like I've become a better cinephile since doing the show. What do you think, Nick? Nice. Uh, well, I don't really... 
uh, know how. I mean, I presume you're a big like, cinephile. Own, like how we both became better. Yes. Like, yeah. What? That's actually the way I was trying to lead. You <laughs> a little bit. You didn't want me to comment on the change in I, your cinephilia. <laughs> no, no. I, I can comment that on myself. Okay. But like, I know you had talked to me about that. You're just happy that this got you watching movies again and kind of yeah. exploring new things. Yeah. And revisiting classics that you love because some, sometimes revisiting stuff is also just as hard. Especially like, and there's, I think something that I've learned over the last three years is there are so many different ways to watch the same movie mm-hmm. and, and how your frame of mind and what's going on in your life at the time and what's going on in that hour and a half to two hours, how much that changes what you take away from the film. One hundred percent. So, so watching, watching a film for the first time, knowing that I'm going to talk about it, is a new experience. Watching a film that I've seen before, but that I need to talk about, is a new experience, and that has made me notice how watching a film that I'm not going to be talking about on the podcast, like how unique that experience, or how how different that also is yeah like i'm very much the same way where that um like it's it's just got me thinking about movies in a very different way like i uh, i've talked about in the show before i use the app letterboxd because we i think right around i think i started doing it before we started the podcast but i used to keep a like a spreadsheet of like um everything i was watching just because i wanted to just keep track of my own watching habits and and things like that and then I started using Letterboxd, and it allowed me to do the same thing. But what I found is it got me thinking a little more critically because you can actually do star ratings. And I never used to. Be, I used to tell myself, "Oh, I can't rate a movie." Like, I don't. Know, I was just that type of guy. It's like I can't think about like how many stars this movie gets. Like, I can't think of a rating for this movie or anything like that. But doing the podcast has kind of helped me figure that out a little bit more. You nice. know, where I now am more concerned with. I don't want to say concerned with, but like I can now put a little more thought into where a movie would stand up yeah. in the grand scheme of things. You right. know what I mean? So it's like, um, you know, it's like, oh, like even one of the movies we're going to be talking about today, I gave out of five stars, I gave it a single star. But Letterboxd allows you to put a little heart next to it if you actually <laughs> enjoyed it. So oh. it's like, it's a terrible fucking movie, but I heart you. <laughs> Um, we'll, we'll let the audience figure out which one that is before we talk about it. Uh, so it's, it's got me thinking about that. It's got me thinking about reviews. And it's like, it's because I'm always kind of now on the search for things that I know I haven't seen that I want to. But then, like, I, I wouldn't have some of the connections to, like, places like Vinegar Syndrome. Like, there's, I, I've seen, I've, I knew of them and I've seen some of their movies beforehand, but I wouldn't have seen as much weird shit had it not been for doing this podcast. So, like, it, it kind of makes me excited to explore and find new movies. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, so. And being able to, having a motivating factor in my life to watch some of these things that I've always wanted to see, but maybe never would have, um, without this podcast has been really rewarding me too like that's and that's a big thing because like the godfather it wasn't that i didn't necessarily not want to see the godfather it's just that was it wasn't very high up on my list but then i saw it and it's like 
I get why this is a big deal, right. and I've been I think about that movie way more than I ever <laughs> thought I would have. And and so. for me, uh, uh, I think the one that I think most about that we uh, that was on my shameless that we did uh, is Rocky. Yeah, that one comes through a lot in my in my day to day. I'm glad, and like, and I'm I'm glad it's a movie that like it's not that you didn't want to see it, but I'm glad yeah. it's a movie that I can, I could kind of like push you to. It's like, oh, this movie is important. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is worth our time to to make sure we we make that space for that movie in our lives. <laughs> yeah, and let's not forget the joys of your Hunter from the Future. Oh well, I mean, yeah, it's I can't believe that you didn't ever see that and shame on you oh my god you've never seen that <laughs> and then and then what i love too is just when you're like he's like you're like michael there's a really weird movie that no one's ever heard of that i want to show you it's called you're the hunter from the future and i was like oh yeah it looks like i could rent it from amazon and then mill creek released it. <laughs> and now we have a high definition <laughs> version of you're the hunter of- from the future <laughs> And I was like, did the movie gods listen to us? And then, like, it was right around that time that they became our sponsor, too. It's like, did we cause this? Yep. Is this us? Did we do this? The The thing to remember is that uh, I'm going to botch the quote, so I shouldn't even bother. I was trying to do the, the Matrix, the spoon doesn't exist thing. <laughs> but with your, know. the hunter I've from the s- You know what's funny? I've seen the Matrix a couple times. Gun to my head, I could not remember a single scene from that. Right, like, I I feel like I need to revisit that trilogy. Me too, because I was too young for it when it came out. Okay. And oh, part of me thinks I'm even too young for it now. <laughs> it's just a next concept move, ne- next level concept movie. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad we, we've been able to keep this show going for yeah. like three years. Like, three that's years. pretty awesome. There's very few things I've committed to for three years. <laughs> marriage is yeah like or being in a relationship was pretty much one of them this, this podcast and your marriage <laughs> which you know we started the podcast right when i got married yeah. so it's like i can kind of track the progression of it so that's pretty cool. right like pretty didn't great. we i want to say we recorded our first episode right before you got married but then we didn't yeah, we, release it until after yeah we did after. one or two of them yeah. ahead of time and i think you might have either me or one of us i thought you might have edited one of them because i was i was going to do one of them and then kind of figure out the pacing of it and right then, um i was going to go on my honeymoon we wanted to be covered so that way they'd come out when i was gone yeah um and that's why th- that's why christmas is technically our anniversary episode because i think our first episode came out around like early december be, I could be saying December 14th because that's Amanda's birthday, but it came out around then. Yeah. I think it was before that. I think so, it was in the first week of December. <coughs> Star Trek, the next anyways, generation. Yeah. Oh. So even though our fr- Yeah. That was so long ago. Yeah. And speaking of Star Trek, here's yeah. a segue for you. Um, before we discuss our actual topic, I'd like to take a moment to pay respects to the actor Rene Abrajanis. Um, listeners of the show will remember him from our Eyes of Laura Mars episode, but Aberjanis was a well-respected thespian and has worked on a multitude of projects from the movie version of MASH, My Best Friend is a Vampire, a personal favorite of mine, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and practically every TV show of note from the, from the 70s to the time of his death. He yeah. worked a lot. Um, by the time this show came comes out, it'll be old news, but... When we're recording it, he had just passed away a couple days ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I think two days ago. Um, and this is going to sound cruel, and I don't mean it to. I actually didn't know he was still alive and still working. So it's like there was a bittersweet. He's like, oh, wow, he's been working for such a long time. 
oh, now over. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't say it's cruel. I think it's common for actors who have such uh, big careers and are getting up in age. Like, mm-hmm. it, there are several actors where, like, once or twice a year, you're like, is is that guy still alive? Do I? Or, or you'll remember a celebrity that passed away a few years ago, but you're not. Was it this one or the, you know, um, uh, Raina always thinks John Goodman is dead. <laughs> always. <laughs> Even though he is not. No, he's very much alive. Very much alive. Doing, doing some of the best work of his career. Yeah. <laughs> I loved him in, well, I mean, we're getting off topic. Um, it's but it's our anniversary episode. We can we do, do the fuck we want. Yeah. Um, fuck it. We don't even have to talk about Fred Claus or Santa with muscles. <laughs> fuck off. This is our show. <laughs> and I'm making this difficult for Nick to, et- to edit later. Fuck damn shit. This or <laughs> man, just a constant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, John Goodman in Oh Brother, We're Out Thou. Oh, he's so good. And like, um, um, have you ever seen Barton Fink? No, I haven't. Barton Fink is probably my favorite John Goodman like, uh, um, um character that he's playing and he has this great moment near the end of the film i don't want to spoil how they get to this point but a hotel is on fire and they just see john goodman at the end of at the end of a hallway and he starts running at them full force with a shotgun just screaming i am the light of the mind and just (laughs) freaking the fuck out and it's like oh this is fantastic (laughs) that was your thrill house moment of barton fang yeah and what's you know what's funny you know what's funny though I love everything that led up to it, but that was my Thrill House moment. That was like the last 10 to 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> that was the climax. Um, so, now, kid, so, now, kids at home, you have to go home and watch the movie and find out why John Goodman got to that position. Right. Um, but back to the actor that actually passed away. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Rene Aberjanis. I don't know if I said it right, but I've uh, correct. Yeah, no, that's the way I've always pronounced it, having never heard it pronounced before. Um I'm, of course, a huge Trekkie, as any listeners have already know by now. Um, and that was my my introduction to Rene Aberjanis, uh, being able to recognize him. Because I had seen and heard him in other things, but that was the first time that I really noticed him. Um, yeah. And he plays a very stern... Um, cold calculating character not not mean not evil by any means he's just very uh stoic yeah um and so then to see him in things like the eyes of laura mars where uh his hair if nothing else is much bigger uh, (laughs) as well as his personality he was so good in that movie uh but then i'd start to recognize him in other things that i know i had seen and i think one of my favorites it's a voiceover work that he's done again i'm believe i've mentioned uh this probably on the eyes of lormar's episode was his voiceover part in the last unicorn yes you've talked about that yeah where he plays a a drunk skeleton uh who guards this passageway and he is amazing in it <laughs> that sounds awesome i honestly uh, and like i was looking up his his career work before we started recording and like he said, I, I I mean it. He's done everything. He's done like the Jeffersons. He's done like he did. It was in the movie version of Mash. He was in so he was in like Starsky and Hutch. He was in Darkwing Duck. He did fucking everything. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, 
it's funny i i didn't i never put it together but he my best friend is a vampire is a movie i absolutely love and renee abergenis plays an aging vampire who just who's there to pass on the secrets of the afterlife <laughs> nice and, and like how to live a normal well-adjusted <laughs> uh life but as a vampire he's like you know because the, the one point the kid in the movie he's like oh i don't want to be a bloodsucker and live in a castle he's like that's so passe <laughs> he's like you can have a nice life just you don't get to see the sun very often he's don't. like you can live a fulfilled interesting life meet fantastic people and not have to kill anyone <laughs> that's amazing he's, um, he's so good in that movie if you get a chance to see it i think you'd love it. awesome so uh is, now, correct me if I'm wrong, you haven't seen much, if any, Deep Space Nine, correct? No, I've not gotten that. I'm weird. I know you don't have to watch Star Trek in, in order that it was released, but I, I, always, I have this hard thing with TV shows where I feel like I have to, yeah. even though I know each series is its own thing. You know what I wanted to do, and I know there are some other uh, super nerds on the internet who have taken on this project, I want to watch Star Trek... In order of the start library date. in order of star date. Yes, <laughs> I've I've heard some people doing this, and I was like, oh, that's inter- that's an interesting way to go about it, um, because I know the the timelines intersect, don't they? They do, and what really complicates it is in the original series, they just threw out random numbers, yeah, like they, they didn't think about it at all. So there I know, I, there are things think, in the continuity that you know happened like before, but have a later star date. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I've read about that too. It's like the writers did. They they're they like, uh, we don't know what to fucking do with this. It wasn't until I think Next Generation that Roddenberry had like an actual system. Yes, yeah. To use the first one, they're like, yeah, star date forty seven two seventy nine button <laughs> <coughs> emoji right Batman symbol. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, anyways, Rene Abergenis, like I said, he was uh, an actor that meant a lot to you because of his connections to Deep Space Nine. An actor, I, I didn't know him by name, but it was a face that I knew, and I didn't truly know, like, uh, start looking into him more until we did the Eyes of War Mars episode, which, you know, it's kind of cool. Yeah. That, you know, this person that, like, it's a face that I've known, I finally been, was able to put together and, like, oh, that's what he's from. Oh, that's what he's from. Oh, he did <laughs> yeah. that. Darkwing Duck. Let's get so. dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm sure this reference will be lost on you then, but um, uh, Renee, I hope you uh, find your place in the Great Link. But anyways, this is this is this is going to be the latest that we've ever gotten to our topic on hand. But I can work with. That I don't. Later. I don't know if that's true. We've had some pretty. <laughs> well, there. If if the conversation is good, I don't mind pushing yeah. the topic. No, we did another tribute. Um, who was it? early on in the show? We there was a maybe it was when George Romero passed. Yeah, when it, it was uh, it was when George no 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 um it was when Toby Hooper to- yeah died. To- or, or was it, yeah Toby Hooper when Toby Hooper died and we had people phone in yeah we phone <laughs> we've had some long uh when when we have a uh, uh in memoriam mm-hmm. we get to and the, hell when Roger Moore died we had an entire episode right. <laughs> <laughs> so but christmas nick means a lot to us yes well, at it least does. i know it, it means a lot to me but i believe it means a lot to yeah you. It's favorite holiday hands down. yeah m- much to people's disbelief it's also my favorite holiday yeah. most people assume halloween and i'm not here to shit on halloween i love halloween i got married on halloween but christmas but is christmas. my favorite holiday <laughs> christmas is fantastic because it's the only holiday that can still make me feel like a child 
Halloween, I don't feel like I'm going to ha- be able to reclaim that until I have kids one day. Yeah. But. And um, even then, you're watching it from outside. Like, it's exciting and you see that magic, but you're not a part of the magic in the way that you are with Christmas. 100%. But as is tradition here, SLPS, I realize <laughs> we have we have an, uh, an acronym. Yeah. So- SLPS. Slips. <laughs> we like to pick a Christmas movie one of us hasn't seen. In previous episodes, we've done Black Christmas, Joyeux Noel, and Miracle on 34th Street. But this year, I think we've hit our pinnacle. We're doing a double bill of Fred Claus and Santa with muscles. <laughs> Fred, actually, one, one thing to describe. I we're gonna, I'm gonna, because I figure we're gonna just talk about them interchangeably. Yeah, I. It's hard for whenever we do double features. I it's, think it's hard to separate them yeah, out. Yeah. So. I'm going to read both intros and then play both trailers. So there's going to be a lot of talking, a lot of sound, and then we'll come back and talk about it here in a minute. Awesome. So, Fred has a brother, a very successful brother. Worst of all, it's his younger brother. Fred has constantly lived in the shadow of his much more successful little brother, and his life is spiraled out of control because of it. He lives in a shitty apartment, can't hold a real job, and things with his girlfriend are on the rocks. Who'd have thought the brother of Santa Claus would have so many troubles? Fred needs a lot of money for a potential business opportunity and hits up his loving brother for the dough. But Santa is sick of being taken advantage of, so he concocts a plan to have his brother help him get Christmas underway, and he'll give Fred the money. Will Fred find his love for Christmas, or will he continue to be a Scrooge? Fred Claus was directed by comedy director and Vince Vaughn collaborator David Dobkin from a script by Dan Fogelman and Jesse Nelson. The film was a flop for the filmmakers, but has picked up a very slight cult following since its release, mainly led by my co-host Nick. (laughs) (laughs) The film stars Vince Vaughn, Paul Giamatti, Miranda Richardson, Elizabeth Banks, and Ludacris, who performs a song for the release of the film called Ludacrismas. (laughs) I had to throw that factoid in there. But while Paul Giamatti makes an amazing Santa Claus, do you know who makes an even better Santa Claus, Nick? Who? Hulk Hogan. Hogan. (laughs) Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. You're not plays- Santa. You're better. <laughs> Hulk Hogan plays Blake Thorne, a conceited millionaire who gets his rocks off by doing extensive commando training and playing insane games of paintball. One day, his paintball game gets super out of hand, and the local police chase him down. Trying to hide from them, Blake escapes to a local mall and ends up hitting his head while disguised as jolly old Saint Nick. With no recollection of who he is, a schemester elf named Lenny tells him he is, in fact, the real Santa Claus. Blake believes this and dedicates his life to using his muscles for good and even agrees to help an orphanage that's really close to closing down. Another another local millionaire named Abner Frost wants the location for himself and will stop at nothing to get it. Santa with Muscles was directed by B-movie director John Murlowski, who worked with Hogan a few more times, and features the Wolf of Wall Street himself, Jordan Belfort as an executive producer, <laughs> if you can believe that. That's that's truth. Uh, the film is considered by many to be the worst Christmas movie ever, right behind Santa Claus Conquers the Martians and the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> it does have a pretty decent cast, though, as it stars Hulk Hogan, Ed Begley Jr., Don Stark, and Mila Kunis in her debut role, and both of them would go on later to be in that 70s show together. It's oh. also got a tiny cameo yeah. by professional wrestling Bar- Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Nice. Yeah. yeah. 
It also has the kid from Tinder Top in it. It does. He it needs does. his lasers. <laughs> Roll the trailers. <laughs> Twas the week before Christmas, and flying north in the sled was a very special visitor. Santa's big brother, Fred. Mr. Claus, welcome to the North Pole. Ah! Allergies. Gun! Take a service stand down. Ow, ow, ow. Oh, guys. What's that? Ow. That was nuts. You don't have ninjas jump me. They gotta make sure nothing happens to me. Something happened to them, maybe I give them something. No, 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 no. Warner Brothers Pictures invites you to come home for the holidays. It has been a hundred years since you spoke to mom. For good reason. You're looking at a man who can fly around the world in a single night. You amaze me. I think it's absolutely amazing. I mean, to think that he can fly around to a million houses in one night, breaking and entering. Steal all the food, eat the little kids' cookies and stuff like that. And I get Jack just talking about it. Don't you guys feel it? Oh, families together again. Fun, fun, fun. All right, let's get you to work. You review those files, okay? Uh-huh. If the kid strikes you as naughty, bam! Stamp him naughty. Nice. Bam! Yep. Fred is really motivated. Oh, thanks, Joe. My last eggnog was a little watery, and I'm just... Hoping this one's nice and thick like I enjoy so much. Okay, Fred. Mm, back on your A game. Get in here! Oh, oh, oh yeah. holy cow. It's proven when you take a little bit of a break. Bring it to me! You have an explosion of efficiency. The board is seriously considering shutting you down. What? Oh, and also, we're gonna dump the Easter Bunny. <gasps> Fred! All you think about is yourself. Don't throw snowballs at me, fat boy! Ah! Come on! From the director of Wedding Crashers. Vince Vaughn. I'm having a ball? Oh, ho, ho, Paul Giamatti. You need to practice tough love. I'm a saint, sweetheart. Tough love's a little difficult for me. Fred Claus. You sure you want to be more comfortable down here on the bottom? I don't think it's going to make much of a difference, Willie. In the season of Santa, there are two kinds of people. The naughty. And the nice. I got 50 bucks for the first elf that brings me Santa Claus. Hulk Hogan is Blake Thorne, and he's definitely naughty. To make his getaway, he's going to make a mockery of the world's most beloved hero. Do you have a minute? Fox me, a little brat. That's him! But sometimes, the only way you can feel the spirit of Christmas... Where'd he go? ...is to be hit over the head with it. Santa! What? It's showtime. Now, this confused bad boy is Santa, like you've never seen him before. A bearded basher of bad guys. Yeah! A hero with a silly hat. <laughs> a Robin Hood in red. <laughs> Who were those guys anyway? Oh, they were from Mr. Frost. He's been clearing out the whole neighborhood and no one knows why. And he's got three days to foil a band of evil scientists. Assemble the team. We're taking the orphanage. Wait till Santa hears about this. He'll kick your butt to New Year's. <sighs> Santa, you slay me. Hulk Hogan is Santa with an attitude. Keep the milk and cookies warm. Santa with some friends. See ya! 
got Santa with a mission. How are we supposed to get over this? And most of all, he's Santa with muscles. They can't start Christmas without me. Can they? There have been many Santas. You're not Santa. You're fed. But there's only one named Hope. Well, all you had to do was knock. Santa with muscles. I think it's worth I think it's worth mentioning real quick though that we are reviewing a new high definition Blu-ray copy of Santa with muscles right? that was that came that Mill Creek just released. So we should give them some credit where credits due because had they not released this, this film wouldn't be available. I didn't know this movie existed. There's a movie. It's a Christmas movie with Hulk Hogan that I did not know existed. <laughs> so for better or for worse. It's now in the ether because of them. And what's interesting, and I'm sure part of it was, you know, how you found that it was available, but I didn't even realize it was a Mill Creek release when I bought it. I, uh, not until I put it on and I saw the Mill Creek. I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> look at that. It's our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 will t- I will say I did send you the link to request it originally. <laughs> oh, you did? <laughs> Yeah, so I felt a little bad that you purchased it, but oh, yeah. <laughs> whatever. whatever. That's I am I am happy to give my money for to Miltreat for Santa with muscles. Santa with muscles is great. But okay, how, how do you how do you want you had something you wanted to say? I, yeah, I want to start this off. Um, and you t- tipped your hat a little bit in our in our preamble cold open, but I would love to hear what you were hoping my reaction would be to Santa with muscles. Um, I guess what I was hoping your, your reaction to Santa with muscles would be, would just be like, I don't, I didn't think you were going to like it. (laughs) I don't think it's possible to like Santa with muscles other than from an aspect of making fun of it. (laughs) Like it's 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 not a very well movie. It's pretty inept in a lot of ways, but it's 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 charmingly dumb. Um, I was hoping that you were gonna find it just as dumb funny as I do, because like part of it comes down for me. Cause I'm a pro wrestling fan, right? Yeah, to see Hulk Hogan dressed up as Santa Claus <laughs> is fantastic for me. Everyone knows who Hulk Hogan is. Yeah, even everyone. Like, I everyone. He but, is the wrestler that you know if you grew up in the '80s and '90s. There's he, three wrestlers everyone can name. Hulk Hogan, The Rock, and John Cena, because they've broken out and have have done more than that. But like I was, I, so I I just have a, an enjoyment from that itself. But I was hoping that you were gonna um, you were gonna find the weird little charm to it that I found. I think that is safe to say. Yes, that is okay. It's right on. I didn't want to. There's been one or two where like it didn't really resonate with me, and you were like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was not expecting to be like, I love this movie. No, yeah. I just thought it'd be a really weird fucking movie. To oh, watch. It, it was. We've we've watched a few. Your Hunter from the Future is one of them. Uh, that are like would be good party movies where you yeah, sit around. I, I described that to Amanda that, that this is a party movie. Yes, and I think it was really, re- a really great party movie. Like Raina the- and I had fun. Like making fun of it together but not even like like yeah we would say how horrible it was but in this way that's like not not literally god why are we watching this but it's so whimsical in its horribleness (laughs) yes and like at some point like it like at first it's like 
I don't want to say it's grounded in reality in any sort of way, but it's grounded in like the ultimate male fantasy action movie <laughs> kind of reality. But then it near the middle of the movie, it becomes a completely different movie and it starts becoming very whimsical, like you said. <laughs> and then other times, like it feels like is this like supposed to be a Santa Claus superhero movie? <laughs> like, like, wait a minute. Did that just happen? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you know, when he has a utility belt with an S on it, and then you have the, the billionaire germaphobe. I love that there's two millionaires in this town, right? too. That's kind of great. Who um, were friends in the orphanage so that one of them doesn't both, remember, but then they... They both did well for themselves. <laughs> right? Not bad. This must be a really great orphanage. Yeah, and like... Um, and then, like you know, he the the other the evil millionaire Abner Frost is like compiling his his group of of, of failed scientists who are also like supervillains. And now, now are those their given names, or did they after they get recruited to Frost's group? Like, like to, do they have to take a new last name that's thematic for their science? <laughs> I have I have a couple thoughts. Okay, I feel like if it's in. If we're using the logic of the world of Santa with muscles, those are their given names, and they chose the professions based on their names. Oh, uh, okay. okay. If you want what realistically happened, someone was doing a lot of fucking coke and just thought that would be the funniest <laughs> fucking thing. <laughs> Something that I... I uh, before completing the film, I had to look up is who wrote the film. What'd you find, Nick? It was written by three individuals... That's never good. All of which who have a single write-in credit. Was it Santa with Muscles? It was Santa with Muscles. <laughs> so I bet they went, they went to every fucking um, studio afterwards and just showed their resume and just had in bold face, red font, big as hell, writer, Santa with, with. Muscles, <laughs> hoping that it would get him a job. Like Some of them did some extra work in some films, but like, yeah, there was no other... <laughs> They they went hey once you reach your peak once you once you hit the pinnacle of writing why would you it's all downhill from there like why exactly you got to go out on a high note and one thing I do have to say I love well, a couple of weird things I loved about this movie is one because once again I'm a wrestling guy I um so I'm used to you know Hulk Hogan's like character what you gonna do brother you know like when he's really fucking amped up and in character. Um, but you know, he has done acting, he's done movies and everything, and he doesn't play that character in the movies. Yeah. I had realized this is the first time Amanda ever heard Hulk Hogan's real talking voice. <laughs> and her, I, I, I quoted her. I wrote it down. This is the only, this is one of the few notes I actually took from the movie. <laughs> I actually have a decent list of notes. <laughs> the quote is in quotation, that's what he sounds like. He sounds like a nerd. He doesn't sound like a real person. <laughs> That's Amanda's quote about Hulk Hogan's talking voice. I think only a nerd would would trim your mustache with that amount of precision. Also, that is it a was perfect, precise mustache, not a hair out of place. I'm not gonna lie though, the first time Hulk Hogan walked on the screen, it really fucking threw me because he does not have that much hair. Right? Yeah. Uh, that was a weird hair piece. It's like anytime he was wearing a hat, it looked right because it's like I'm used to seeing him wear a bandana or something. Right. And, you know that looks right, but anytime I see the top of his head, I'm like, that ain't your hair. <laughs> that ain't your hair, Hogan. That Give it back. <laughs> so you actually took you took a lot of notes. That's yeah. Good to hear. Let's see. One, two. 
I do have to say, up until he hit his head, every line that Blake Thorne said sounds like a one-liner. Yeah, yep. He delivers every line as a one-liner until he hits his head. Right. And then he's just not then he's just not very good at acting, but it's, it's he's he you can tell that he's legitimately trying and there's a charm behind that alone. I I agree. It's like you could, he is not a good actor. But in the but it matches the spirit of the rest of the film. Like what I find what I find fascinating about Hulk Hogan and his acting career because he did you know he did movies like this he did the Trouble in Paradise TV show that became a movie eventually um, he did uh, uh, Suburban Commando with Christopher Lloyd which I kind of fucking love I haven't seen uh, it but I'm familiar with it he he did you know Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain which is amazing <laughs> <laughs> and then like I think Mr Nanny. Um, which is great just to see Hulk Hogan nanny a bunch of kids. It's like problem child with Hulk Hogan. Right. Um, but what I love is he pretty much did small budget, pretty terrible directed DVD movies. What I find fascinating about that is not that he was an actor, that he tried to acting, that he did movies like this because he's historically had the largest money contracts in wrestling history. Every place he's gone. So it's like you could. He he's always made a lot of money. Yeah. He's always wanted a lot of money, which you know, if if, if you can get it, get it. Right. <laughs> I just I'm amused that he does. Like I I don't imagine these movies could pay what I always would assume his salary would be. So is he working for scale just so he can do it, or does he legitimately want to do these movies? Amanda has a theory that he just legitimately thinks these movies are good, and like <laughs> this is that these are his jam. So I just find that funny. Yeah. That a man who 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 is n- notoriously you know can get a lot of money for his name alone did such small budget films yeah my with, with my Clint theory Allen. would be that that he has fun doing them and he looks like yeah. he's having fun doing it like, yeah like it, he's immersed himself it's very much like Dolph Lundgren in the in the Masters of the Universe movie he may not be the best but he's fucking trying yeah yeah him and the black guy at the orphanage were like the two best actors in, well that's taking credit away from Don Stark he was pretty great too you know who stole it for me Who's that? Clint Howard. Clint Howard was in this movie so little, but he was so good. He, like, every time he was on screen, like, uh, it it instantly, like, felt like a better movie, and then it would cut away from him, and I'm like, oh, it's Salt Hogan again, which is still fun. <laughs> still, I'm still just, having a good time. <laughs> I just love how, like, New York Don Stark got every, made everything. Just every scene, I was like, forget about it. What you doing? <laughs> come on. Come on, Santa. Let's, let's go do this thing. It's like, man, you're really laying it on thick. And it's like, was well, he more confused? Like, oh, it's a Christmas movie with Hulk Hogan, where there's no snow because it's right. in California. Yeah, you I assume see the, the palm trees Don, and the... and Don with Don Stark, who's very clearly from Brooklyn <laughs> in this film, and Clint Howard, who still sounds like he's from you know from the Midwest. It's like there's all this weirdness going on. No snow. All the areas they did shoot in in, in California felt like really. It, bad areas that you should not be in. <laughs> right like anytime they had a chase scene or like the end scene with the bazooka it's like this does not seem like a good neighborhood you should be i shooting. i have i i suspect i'm wrong mm-hmm. but i had a hope watching this okay that the set the or the where um that was hulk hogan's character's mansion 
his home. Yeah. I was hoping like hell that that is actual Hulk Hogan's house. I thought that too, and I hope so. <laughs> I don't I don't think it is, but that would be so good. If he's like, guys, why don't we just use my place? <laughs> hey, we can just we can just hang out here and you know bring some cameras, and we can use my real crew. We can really use my real chef, man. I throw him around every day. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually behind the scenes footage that they had. <laughs> yes. And I love to like so like when you first get this that, that scene it's like oh is is Hulk Hogan like a commando or something in this film and then you find out that it was all like set up and I was like I love that like you set this up to train yourself to train your body uh but you had to throw these one liners in too. Right. It's like that's part of his rigorous training regime. <laughs> the when it happened in the beginning, I found it so hokey. And then when they come back to that, after he gets his memory back, I found it mm-hmm. so goddamn charming. When he's just sitting there eating his weird-looking oatmeal and... <laughs> Thanks, Pierre. I really appreciate it, but not today. <laughs> Whatever his line is. It was, and they're like, oh, he must be having a really tough time. <laughs> And then, like, little things, too. Like, he's got, like, these 300 Blake Says sayings that everyone has to fucking memorize. And he keeps adding to them, too, which makes it more what, stressful. What are we but up to? <laughs> make this 367. Uh, but I love later on, like, when he lost his memory, he doesn't remember who he is. And the little girl's like, that's one of the Santa rules. You know Santa the Santa rules. Santa rules. <laughs> Santa rules. I like that. <laughs> and then, like, he later on, like, has his team then remember the Santa rules. What's the first rule? Santa rules. And like Pierre tells him what it is. I'm like, oh, it came around. <laughs> it came back to it. And you show, show it. I love my, my favorite in that same scene where he's like, you know, all super sad and everything. And Lenny calls him. He, hey, Lenny. Like he gets so excited. It's like, oh, he misses his life as Santa Claus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. It is like you can like I can hear in our voices and see on your face. I can't see my well. Actually, I can see my own face. Up you there. can't see your face. <laughs> um, cameras are for Nick. Like I, th- I think that shows where the beauty of this terrible, terrible film is. Like, yeah, there are bad films that you just make fun of, and I was certainly making fun of this, but in a different way. It was like, yeah, like this film was terrible. But I still put the little heart next to it. Like, I gave it a one star out of five, but still put the heart next to it. You got a heart, you got a star. What else do you want? <laughs> yeah. Like, I try to be smart about that. Like, like this movie is terrible. Objectively, it is not very well made. It's not very well written. It has potential. It's got potential oozing out of it. Um, but it's like, you know, because I enjoyed it, because I had fun watching it, doesn't mean it's going to get four or five stars. Yeah. You know, it's like I tried to be objective about things, but, like, you can like something that's bad. Yeah. And something bad can still be enjoyable. And just like I've seen movies that are easily five star movies, I don't that they, they don't get the little heart next to it because I'm never gonna watch it again. I I would say I don't even like this film, but I couldn't help but enjoy myself watching it. And even for me, for me, the little heart is what my likelihood of rewatching it. Okay, yeah. I and do, first off, just the fact that it's a Christmas movie gives it a real step up on my rewatch yeah. list because there is yes. a that that from you know November 1st to December 31st that is when I'm driven to watch rewatch Christmas and films like, like sitting I, in I, on a cold day with your hot chalky and your <laughs> yeah and I love Christmas movies that dare to be different 
Yeah, well, that, and like, this it's, has it's, that. It's, <laughs> yeah, and it's like because like you know like right net, Netflix this year has been the hallmark of streaming because like I feel like every day they're just releasing two or three more Christmas movies and Amanda's been watching through them and uh, just have them on the background but most of them are like I need to find love for Christmas or right. something like that and and that can be done very well. Sure. Yeah. Like I want to see that new that movie in the, it's in the theaters right now. I think it's like Last Christmas or something like yes. that. Yes. Yep. Um. And I and I love love actually and those movies can be done well. Well, most of them aren't. But you get a movie like this, or there's two movies that I have fa- uh, favorited right now on Hulu. One's called uh, um, one's called Tiny Christmas, and it's about kids getting shrunk down, uh, about pea size on Christmas, and have to like survive like Christmas ornaments and all this other shit. It's like it, that just sounds it, insane. It's Honey, I Shrunk the Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And then there's another one called Santa Hunters. That it's like, okay, these seem weird. Yeah. I will watch these. But it's like, you know, um, if it's and granted, yeah, like I said, some of those sappy Christmas movies are good too. It's just, you know, there has to I have to get a strong recommendation on them first. Because there are so many of them. I, but like Santa with Muscles or like the Ernest Christmas movie or something, I'm fucking in. I, I think a greater sin than making a bad movie is making a forgettable movie. I think that's yes. kind of what what you seem to be describing is yes i've i've watched the hallmark movies i'll put them on i'll i'll sit and watch them actively mostly they go on as background Mm -hmm. noise but even when i'm watching them actively they are forgettable and that's okay i think joe bob if what you want is background noise but santa with muscles i will never forget I think Joe Bob Briggs, the 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 the, the film personality and, ho- and a horror host, one time said that the only true sin of a movie is for it to be boring. Yeah, yep, yeah. And this was not and, boring. No, not at all. Uh, contrary to popular belief, a lot of people said it was, but I don't think so. Yeah, uh, I I could I could entertain an argument for it, but I think <laughs> the tone shifts throughout mm-hmm. are so jarring mm-hmm. that that alone made it not boring for me yeah and i and going back to my love for christmas movie if the if a movie features santa claus or someone playing santa claus i will watch it yeah <laughs> because that automatically rises up it's not oh it's not just set during christmas it is christmas right um a couple things i want to mention that i did like <clears throat> um the very Danny Elfman like score at times. It it would get very Elfman at times with the score. Like I'd be sitting there like, oh, the music in this scene is way better than I would have given it credit for, or better than this movie deserves in a lot of ways. Um, tonally, too, with the film, if you were to add a bunch of blood and violence, it would easily be a Vinegar Syndrome movie. Sure. Because yep. sometimes I felt like I was watching a vinegar syndrome movie, like a PG vinegar syndrome movie. Yeah, yep. Which I find really amusing. And then Amanda brought up a great point when we were watching it. She's like, "It's like, oh, this film is is just like I, I'm adding this term. It's amnesia. It's amnesia exploitation." But she's like, "So he has amnesia, like where he forgets that he's Blake Thorne, but then Blake Thorne has amnesia that he forgets that he's an orphan. There's double amnesia in this film. <laughs> it is the inception of amnesia." So I've I've coined the term amnesia exploitation. I love it. It doesn't it doesn't roll off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> um, amnesia exploitation. Yeah. This film makes perfect sense in what well, it was. What ninety seven, ninety six. Yeah, ninety six. It makes perfect sense in that time period when, like, Three Ninjas was coming out and all of these kind of like, like when people just 
in its when characters inexplicably are ninja masters and just start like doing roundhouse kicks and shit. Um, yeah. So that <laughs> like it makes sense in that context, and you don't see those movies around at all. Um, what I'll say <laughs> uh, in terms of the soundtrack is now I am personally I do not dig subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, foreign films make sense that uh, yeah, you know, but. Uh, closed captioning um and i know a lot of people that and and again hard of hearing that makes sense but i know a lot of people that put reina is one she really likes closed captioning on um and i i happily put it on for her um but i find myself even if i want to watch what's happening on the screen my eyes are driven towards the words which is Mm -hmm. But two things that I found interesting was in the closed captioning with regard to the soundtrack, it was always adjective orchestral music. Every time any, it was like cheery orchestral music, dramatic orchestral music. Uh, The other thing about the closed captioning is you could tell um, that between the acting and the recording audio quality, there was a lot of words that they couldn't make out. So they just put <laughs> mumbles in places when they weren't, yep. when they, you know, that you'll see that when the characters are mumbling in other productions. But for this, it was just, we have no idea what they're saying. So mumbles. <laughs> I, I do have some thoughts about the sound quality. Well, first I, I have found, and I am a little bit of an audio snob just because I, 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 I care a lot about it. Not saying other people don't, but like I've, I've put, I've sunk some money into audio. <laughs> uh, one thing I've noticed with, with some of my friends, the, the main inciting incident, uh, the re- main reason a lot of people usually watch of subtitles is because TV speakers suck. Yeah. And it's always hard to hear. Uh, and I have found, you know, even getting yourself a quality sound bar will fix a lot of those issues usually. Um, but even me, so like I've got a surround sound system, nice speakers. I can usually have my volume set to about 30, maybe 35 at most if I want it loud. I had to have this movie cranked up to 47 <laughs> because it was so quiet, yeah. the mix. And then, like, you're right, Hulk, like Hulk Hogan and a lot of the other actors were mumbling things throughout that, well, it's like, oh, I can't even make out what they're saying half the time. <laughs> Um, that's why I was so surprised that the score was, you know, kind of delightful because yeah. it's, you know, like the, it did not seem like audio quality was like what they were going for <laughs> in this film. Um, and I'll, I'll say the the mumbling did not detract in any way from my enjoyment of the film. <laughs> no, <laughs> like it was at the time. You're like, huh? At no okay, let's go at no point was I like, boy, I really wish I could hear what that person said. I also love just thinking back about it. So, like, we find out later on that Blake Thorne could get into the um, the uh, the the, the uh, vault vault, and because... they never explain why exactly. Yeah, like you find out later on. Like, that's when Amanda's like, "Oh, he's an orphan." I was like, "What do you mean?" It's I, like, there's that... BT on the wall. He knows the combination. But I was like, "How did he know the combination?" Because the kids didn't know the combination. How did he figure out the combination? Well, What's the significance of that number? The other kids figured out the first three numbers of the combination. And somehow that that's another point where I'm like, what, how did they just like, Oh, you clicked and I heard it, but then you couldn't figure out the fourth one through like, it, it didn't make any sense. No. I also love how sassy Mila Kunis was to this entire movie. Right? She's very much like proto Jackie yep. beforehand. Um, proto Jackie. One... I fixed a few students to class. It was pretty ripped up. I even made a few improvements. Improvements? Yeah. I gave it a more continental look. Wow. 
I shorten the sleeves to freedom of movement, I give it a V-neck, and a utility belt for Super Santa. Wow! Do you like that? This is great, Sarah. Thanks. Where'd you learn to do this? Mega Man, number 96. Ooh, 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 cool duds, eh? Oh, wait a minute, where my dredge? Keep your pants on, Q-Tip, I'm getting there. The biggest missed opportunity in this film, I will say, in my personal opinion, is the fact that it did not become this superhero Santa Claus movie. It was really trying to be. Yeah, yeah. I think with a little bit bigger budget, they could have made a, like, they could have made a, like, it was seriously Batman. <laughs> you have a, a, an orphaned millionaire who's trained his body to the highest degree, who's got a, a doting, loyal butler. <laughs> this Santa Claus incident was his bats. Uh, he could have been Santa. Yep, like, he could have been... He could have, like, he could have eventually built a North Pole in his basement, and, like, we could have had a whole series of Santa with Muscles movies. <laughs> Even the the villain's naming, the, the villain nomenclature is, yeah, right right on par with that. And then Amanda said, when we're watching movies, like, his name would be Frost. Yeah. <laughs> like, it actually legitimately seemed like it pissed her off. <laughs> that was, like, I think I had a similar reaction to the to all of the villains. Like, yeah. how, what? Vile? No. Really? Stop no. it. You stop it. Stop Watt? Dr. Watt? Really? <laughs> oh... I did not think we were going to get this much material out of Santa with the Oh, I knew I we would. <laughs> That's why I wanted to do a double feature, just in case. Um, let me let me go back to my like, notes here. If people, if the people listening at home can just, like you said, hear from our voice how much we enjoyed this film. Like, it's like it's not even necessarily that we liked it. It's just we enjoyed the hell yes. out of it. This is this is a. It's weird to say that for a movie so bad in a lot of ways that this... I think this has the shameless picture show seal of approval in terms of buying this movie. Yeah. It's not not that expensive. I would put it right on par with your. Like, it is is that kind of horrible, cheesy fun. And it's seasonal. Um, And everyone needs a good seasonal film. Yep. So here's... Oh, uh, my genuine favorite part of the film that made me... Like, (laughs) I, I laughed... In uh, I wasn't laughing at it, but like a dad mm-hmm. that actually paid off for me. It, when it was jarring, I recognized, oh, this is a different laugh than I've been laughing the whole time. Was when Clint Howard comes pulling up in his bazooka'd uh, cop car, and the windshield wipers are going, <laughs> yes. but without the <laughs> the top of the yes. car. That yes. genuinely, like I I LOL'd. <laughs> That was so great, and like, and then like, he just had so many good lines, like little things too. Like when he's when he's 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 practicing pulling people over. <laughs> no, no, you got to be tougher than that. Do you know? And how then fun? like, and then, oh, he had, he had one throwaway line, like, and I love throwaway lines in movies where like the camera's not focusing on the per- person and they have a throwaway line, and he says something along the lines of, "Is like I was in Desert Storm, I'm a badass." Right? Yes, like, and it was so like, take me seriously, guys. <laughs> Oh, and my fa- I think my favorite line in it was like when we first see Don Stark in that that bunny costume, and then Hulk Hogan's like, "At least I'm not in a you know a, a rabbit costume, or at least I don't have a tail." And Don Stark wa- walks away. He's like, he's like, he's like, "Am I am I a rabbit? Am I a sheep? Uh, which am I?" He he says it in a very weird way that is a very obviously an added in line, and it was such a goofy line because of that. <laughs> right. I, I, 
If I can find a clip for it, I want to add. Nice. Uh, I'm sorry about the pajama Santa, but that's all we had. They're going to patch up your Santa outfit, and they're going to have them both ready by tomorrow. Good night. Don't let the bed bugs bite. You look great. You look like a leftover from last year's Christmas plate. <laughs> yeah, look at you. You look ridiculous. At least mine doesn't have a tail. Am I a sheep? Am I a bunny? Which one of these two things? Um, I've had complaints that we, 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 we mentioned clips that we we're going to add in, and I forget to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's charming when we do it's that. Charming. It's charming. Slash, I, 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 sometimes, I sometimes go into autopilot mode when I'm editing. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here's some of my oh. notes, because I don't think they're going to elicit deep discussion. Uh, one of my favorite... Horrible lines, and it was a Hulk Hogan one-liner. Keep the milk and cookies warm. Yes. Why would you you. keep the milk warm? Yeah. Why? And gross. And it could have been a great line to say, like, keep the milk cold and the cookies warm. Like that would have worked. I feel like that's probably how it was written. And then every time he went to go do the line, he just messed it up. Like, ah, we'll keep it. (laughs) We'll fix it in post. Don't worry, we'll add the clip in later. We don't have any money for post. Oh shit! Damn it. Um, this movie had a big budget for explosions, by right? <laughs> they blew up a building. Um, I liked how they went all poltergeist at that point too, with the yeah. it like folding in on itself, all weird. I was impressed. Like, damn, this is some bit. This is next level special effects work. Um, the the super weird short PSA from Hulk Hogan when he's like, "I'm only tough when I need to be." Yes. Like, it was so out of place and awkward. I feel like uh, there was push. I think at the time there was there was a lot of pushback for professional wrestling. So like, okay, like I should I should add something for the little brothers and sisters, <laughs> right? The little Hulkamaniacs. Oh yeah. Um, okay, they're in the bell tower. They fight. Oh my god! The he wins. <laughs> and then this, and it was actually it would have been funny if there was any level of it it was funny for a different reason because it wasn't but like if there was any believability to this animatronic santa just turning and like knocking him out of the window (laughs) oh that was so great (laughs) i i think that's i i would put that in the where you said this this film was oozing with potential like that could have been a good gag and it just did not work was that your thrill house moment? That was, what was my thrill house moment? It would have to be Clint. Well, again, it depends. This one is so hard because there's so many different. Like, is it when I realized how horrible it was? When I realized how, um, like, cheesy funny it was? When I had a genuine in- moment of in- like. Like, oh, that, that dad would pulled off and worked, and I genuinely connected with it. I will say my Thrill House moment was, it came late, rather late. Like, I was enjoying it up until this point, but, like, there was a complete shift in tone, and I really thought it was going to become a, a little bit more magical, surrealist of a movie, was the catacomb scene, when they finally do open the vault, and then we get to see all these gems, and the music changes and everything. It was like, I was like, I found, like... I was enjoying it, and I was, I was having a lot of fun with it, but, like, I kind of perked up a little bit at that yeah, scene. Yeah, like, totally. What's going to happen with this? And then they 
did nothing with it. Too not like pretty much no. That, that could have been a really interesting. Like you have shift. exploding crystals. Why didn't that come back? Uh, exploding electricity producing crystals that Mila Kunis's character just read about in her science book. <laughs> you know what? What I also think is a missed opportunity. So you have three scientists: one who does crist- who one who does rocks and crystals, one who does electricity. And one who does gas. Like, why don't you have like an explosions expert? And that you know that that's why they also want to get this because they all have an expertise in it. And it's ugh. right. Yeah. <laughs> that's my sound of like. When I, like, I feel like there's potential and it just wasn't lived up to. But then they couldn't have had all of those amazing smelly gas bits. <laughs> oh, there was a lot of, uh, of of smell jokes in this movie. That's true. You'd have to cut all of those out. oh it was it, that would just be a real loss um mm. also Mm-mm-mm. i'd like to point out that uh torturing landowners doesn't just get you the property like there's an actual legal process involved that the torturing probably well, wouldn't have been they, effective they do address through. that in the movie nick do when, they <laughs> when when the, the the skinny scientist guy which i love anytime there's a reveal of a character in a lab coat who's not in a lab I love that in movies. Um, when he was like, he's not going to give up the land. This is not how we do things. And then Ed Bagley's like, really? And then you hear in the background, I'll give up the land. I'll give up the land. And he's like, mm. <laughs> But then they would have to go to, like, lawyers. <laughs> I imagine he signed a contract right there that just says, I'll give up the land. Okay. This, this should hold up in court. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Egg Bagley will send like a uh, a crystal guy and electro electricity woman and a stink guy over to their house if they don't. Um. Oh. The, I hope they, I hope they use Ed Bagley Jr.'s real house too. Right. Right. Um. The, the amazingly unnecessary transparent bit where the elf ropes down from a balcony towards the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's no reason for it and he, it's done in like three shots the first one where he's up in the balcony and grabs onto the rope a second shot where you can see him dangling from a harness for like two mm-hmm. seconds and then him landing i was also hoping that like i i kind of love the reoccurring bits of lenny the elf trying to get into blake's <laughs> bank account <laughs> And Just then, find like, an was, ATM without the damn fingerprint. I was hoping that there was going to be a third one. First time he couldn't get in because he needed a fingerprint. Second time he couldn't get in because he needed the right <laughs> fingerprint, not the left fingerprint. So I was hoping there's going to be a third one or something where he like he finally gets in and then like the machine blows. Right? Up yeah. Where that's rule of threes. That's that's yeah. screenwriting one one. <laughs> exactly. There's there, so it's like that's what this film is missing is the rule of threes. God damn yeah. it. Yeah. And he told like we never heard about the ATM and the money again. I mean, I you could argue that oh he got in, but they didn't show that process for him. Mm-hmm. He just stopped. Yeah. Oi. <laughs> Oi. Rule of threes, people, look it up. If you're an aspiring screenwriter, it's it's a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, it's hard to look up though because it's Google confuses it with the rule of thirds. Yeah, which yeah, is but... camera op rules not screenwriting it's rules. usually i'll break it down simply this is this is a very um small description of it i think we talked about in terminator as well yeah but it's it's especially good in comedy with reoccurring jokes to just have it come up three times two two isn't enough and four seems like way too many 
Yeah, that's excessive. There are times you can get away with that, but it has to be a very specific type of comedy. Yeah. Three is a gold number, or if something's going to be brought up, like if you're trying to bring up character traits, you know, if you want to speckle in information, bringing up a unique character trait three different times in the movie, it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's something subconscious. It, it feels two could be, two right. could be coincidence. Yeah. yeah. Um, usually if there's a fourth time, it's not as effective, but when it's done right, it's setting you up for a fifth reoccurrence that then lands funnier than the third one did yeah that and that can sometimes play right um, it can also fail on you as well right um but my my last santa with muscles note it's just two words a bazooka <laughs> i love them tossing the bazooka back and forth which is, no you take it <laughs> a bazooka <laughs> yes a bazooka they're they're like small town sheriffs. I imagine they brought it from home. So in Virginia, where my family's from, um, I don't know if it's still this way, but in the eighties and nineties, they did have uh, they didn't have an issued firearm. My uncle, who was a cop, um, told me about this. They didn't have an issued firearm. Well, he's like, well, what are we supposed to use? And he's like. Any gun that you feel comfortable with, you can come in and use as your firearm. So he had like a fucking long, dirty, hairy, like, revolver. So I imagine this town's got the same thing. Any yeah. weapon that you are comfortable with, that you are certified to own and use, you can use. So fucking bazooka. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I, I've, I've explained it out. It's small town logic. This makes sense. This movie is airtight. And clearly, he is qualified to use it since he tried to uh, bazooka just a, a flame pedestrian or of somebody in a car chase and then missed and blew up the car well, did he miss or was blake thorne's skills at driving that much better so. than his aim <laughs> i can explain this movie yeah, away I, all day nick you, you, you got me it, it makes perfect sense i'm to blame but if because here's the thing you could be the best bazooka shooter in the world <laughs> but if the person driving is better at driving than you are at shooting bazookas, you ain't going to win. You know what would have made that scene really land? It's <laughs> him putting away his number one bazookist trophy. <laughs> oh, I don't man. deserve this anymore. He just throws his coffee mug to the ground and there's a very slow motion shot of it falling and crashing on the ground. <laughs> World's best bazooka shooter. I'm going to say no. I think this is one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> and we haven't even gotten to movie number two yet. No, we haven't gotten to our hot take of the day. <clears throat> but I think now <clears throat> I'm losing my voice because I'm <clears throat> Drink some Santa water. with muscles. Got me all verklempt. Uh, <laughs> so, Fred Claus. I, I think hot we should just start with your hot year. take. I, yeah. Okay. Hot take of the year. Fred Claus is... A better movie than Elf. Who? I for just for the record, I both admire your opinion and respectfully disagree. <laughs> now, Fred I, Claus is a better movie than, and Elf. that's coming from somebody who loves Fred Claus. Like do, I, do, I, do, I do, do like do, that do, movie. Do fact. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to remember what the MTV like news report. Oh God, said. yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like Anyways, that. That was close enough. Yeah. Um, there, I think where, where Fred Claus really, well, first I'll start with what they did really bad. Those, that elf effect is not okay in any way. It looks horrible. And, yeah. and it, especially ludicrous. He looked like, I got used to like the main elf that Fred Claus is like, 
was living with. I got used to his effect. Ludacris's one just looked terrible. Yeah. It, like, they all didn't... None of them looked good. Like, yeah. when they were actually using little people, it looked... It looked, it was it worked right but like yeah anyways it's i i respect that they tried something i think that that alone held this movie back that's um, fair uh, i will say also their runtime affected them okay i i tend not to personally have i've never had a runtime issue it's it wasn't necessarily a big issue for me because it doesn't normally affect me and i thought the movie breezed by but there were like i guess just thinking as an editor it's like oh we could have we could have removed this could have slipped this out we could have you know just little tweaks but yeah it wasn't necessarily hold it back the way that effects did but if i had to think critically about like things that i would change if i was in charge of this movie i'd probably cut it down sure to, you know five ten minutes what really surprised me and what keeps me coming back to this film makes it an annual is that Frank Stallone scene? oh that is uh, i will get to that we'll get to that um i think this movie has so much heart when they when they don't it's it's all being set up for this main theme of there are no bad kids there are no naughty kids that the whole I concept teared of, up so bad in this yes movie. i try every time it's that scene there where where vince vaughn is telling his his little brother you got it wrong nick it's when he's he's screwed up he vince vaughn has single-handedly just like, like dunge, uh, wrecked dunge with the, christmas with the for the world yeah, he's going back. He has his money. He's it's this like you can see that he feel doesn't feel great about himself. But he's like, you know what, Nick, you you got it wrong though. There are no naughty kids. There's kids that have had a bad break. There there are kids that are frustrated and angry. But there are no naughty kids. I can't like just just saying those lines back. I get choked up, um, and it's really beautiful. Um, and I need to get to the North Pole by tomorrow night. You must be kidding. I got $50,000 that says I'm not. <laughs> and he doesn't even like he doesn't even put that much emphasis into that line in the way that no. I think a lot of people would, which made it really great. He's just yeah. like no like no, I'm I'm $50,000 worth of serious. <laughs> was that was that the line? No, yes. no, okay. you said it right, oh. but I was okay. it was just um he I think he said it with great um subtle intention. Part of the reason I think I like this movie, I don't want to step on the point you're making because I want to come back to that in just a moment too, is I oh <laughs> I heard uh, the Vinny just Vinny just yawned. He's he's bored of our conversation. <laughs> he's like they're not talking about Santa with muscles anymore. I'm out. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Vince Vaughn. I think he could be great. Um, I've been really like I know you don't like Vince Vaughn either. <laughs> I'm a, I'm I'm hit or miss on him. But, like, I think I, I've been liking his more serious roles he's been doing because it's been allowing him to flex his acting muscles. But for a while, he kind of just became, I'm Vince Vaughn. Right, right. And he is that to an extent in this movie. That's why he got probably, you know, they probably cast him for it. But, like, you know, Wedding Crashers, Vince Vaughn, and, you know, like. But, like, I found myself really liking him in this movie. I thought, like, his weird, like, the one thing that I didn't appreciate when he was a big star, well, he still is a big star, but when he was making every other movie that I didn't appreciate as much as I appreciate now is the fact that he will intentionally go against the joke to land something serious. He, he He's not like other comedic actors where he's playing it for the joke. He's playing it for the moment. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and I, that, and if the, and if the joke is funny, it will land. I think the, uh, the, 
you know, we're, we're talking about how Vince Vaughn did play Vince Vaughn in this film, but it also kind of worked, I think, is that backstory where he is playing the, the screwed up bad kid. He's playing the naughty kid who grew up, right? Mm-hmm. And, but it explored that. Like, that fed into the theme. It wasn't just, hey, look at how Vince Vaughn-y I am. Like, yeah. it, it mattered in this film that he was like that. Sorry, Vinny just peed on the floor. And I just oh, delightful. So I'm just going to have to f- clean that up when I'm done with talking here. <laughs> it's like, you're, um, that was a you're ignoring me move, wasn't it? <laughs> I didn't mean to. No, no. He just yeah. he peed in two spots. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I agree. It's like it, it, it worked for the context of the film. And be, the reason I think it worked too, because because Vince Vaughn has his own we, unique way of delivering lines and he's, you know, usually rapid pace. Um, like, But... I believed it then when he did have to get serious. Yeah. Because, like, other actors, like, when they're, you know, complete goofball through the entire film and then they get serious, it just feels false to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, where I didn't get that false feeling from this movie. I, I, I think because we saw his backstory, like, I, I think we understood why he was like that. Mm-hmm. Like, the story set up why his character was that way. Mm-hmm. Um, which gave it the context that it needed to be really effective. I completely <clears throat> agree. Um, and then, you know, like you said, you get scenes like that where he's trying to explain to his brother that there are no bad kids, or the really touching scene between him and, and his, his and friend slam. at the orphanage. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think you got some bad advice, which was his own advice from earlier in the film. Yeah. Um. Good. Santa, you found me. Yeah, I found you. I find all the good kids. Macaroni, it's you. I'm waiting. Slam, I want you to listen to me. You got some advice a while back, and I think it was a little off. The world is what you make it. It all starts with what you make of yourself. I want you to believe in yourself, Slam. Because you got a lot to believe in. And the rest will all kind of fall into place. Okay? Okay. Merry Christmas, pal. Merry Christmas, Santa. Oh, and, um, Santa? Yeah. Here's a wallet bag. And, he, and I think he also realized in that moment not only how kids can take to heart things that people they respect say yeah. but then your your words have 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 weight yeah because that's something that his character didn't concern himself with he I, would say anything to get himself out of situations he'd say anything to just to like to get his point out he was very much like he vince vaughn beginning of this film felt very much like that person you see on facebook it was like Oh, I'm not an asshole. I'm just honest. Right, yeah. And then well, you realize, no, things I say matter. I, I think he felt like his words didn't matter because of the way their mother treated him. Yeah. I, I think he he <clears throat> felt like he could say anything because it didn't matter what he said. He he wasn't as good as his brother. Yeah. And then it also fucked his brother up, too, because then his brother had this this big head about himself and he tried to keep it together yeah you know like there's that great line 
It's like, um, it's like you need to show tough love, Nick. I'm a saint. It's kind of hard for me to do. <laughs> <laughs> Come um, on, honey. But uh, like, oh, I, I feel okay. like it's instilled like this, um, this I can do anything. I don't need to ask for help quality out of his brother. And they realize that they work better together as a team. Yep. And one thing I'll have to say, too, is like Paul Giamatti was too good of an actor for this movie in a lot of ways. <laughs> There was a lot of good actors in it. Like, yeah, this and was like, and he started. Paul Giamatti played this role straight. Yeah, you know he was funny when he had to be and everything, but he wasn't playing it for the laughs. He wasn't like, look at how fun I'm Santa Claus. You know, it's like he played it straight, and I appreciated that about it. Yeah. And yeah, um, and actually, one of the the scene that got me the most and. Um, was Paul Giamatti's Superman scene. Clyde Archibald Northcutt, 422 Dashwood Drive, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Ha! Yeah, you you made the most naughty list in 68. Oh boy, that was a very, very naughty year. How could you possibly remember that? You asked me for a Superman cape. I didn't give you a Superman cape, did I? Do you always wear glasses, Clyde? If you think this is going to change anything, you are sad. Right, Clyde. I'm going to bet that's what they called you. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, and do you think that after a while of being called four-eyed Clyde, you maybe got a little angry? Maybe you started a fight or two. Maybe ten, maybe twelve. So you asked me for something, Superman cape, because you thought that that was going to change everything. This is ridiculous. Oh, so you decide to stay four-eyed Clyde? Only because Clark Kent wore glasses. Oh, but when he turned into Superman, he didn't need those darn glasses anymore, did he? Clyde. What's wrong with me not to give you that gift, Clyde? I fear that I had a very incorrect, misguided understanding of naughty children. Oh God, yeah. Oh, when that—that's when he realizes when when Fred Claus's words finally sink in with him, and he's like, "Oh, I've got this wrong, and I should have been better for you." The guy who shut down christmas he is telling i should have been there for you yes i'm sorry i failed you i thought you were a naughty kid and i was wrong and then like and it was also in that moment too that you know because he always felt like every movie that 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 santa made in this film he made because he's like oh i'm gonna throw my brother a bone i'm helping him right yeah he realized in that moment that his brother can help him that 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 fred saved nick fred saved christmas (laughs) yeah Which is so the re- reason I think this is a better movie than Elf. I'm be, just going to say it now, is because I thought this did a better job of, for me, showing the essence of Christmas. I agree with that. I don't. I don't think Elf was even though they had a narrative about Santa's plane crashing and the Christmas spirit stuff. I don't think that's what Elf was really about. Fred Claus yeah. is about saving Christmas, the essence of Christmas. Like, if you want to get into the 
the is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Is It's a Wonderful Life a Christmas movie? Like Fred Claus is a Christmas movie. Like that is one that and, you could not come up with an argument that would convince me that Fred Claus is not a Christmas movie. And then the reason, like I, I know that's not really what Elf was about, <laughs> but I feel like it's two movies that job. I guess it's a job is to celebrate Christmas, and I feel like Elf is very one-sided with that. Where, you know, I feel like Fred Claus uh, theoretically appeals to the people who, like, a lot of people I know is like, I hate Christmas. I don't like Christmas. I, fuck this holiday. And I feel like Fred Claus is kind of speaking to those people yeah. as well. No, I, I'm totally on board with that. Like, Elf, if you absolutely hate Christmas, you're going to fucking hate Elf. <laughs> right. Like, with a passion. But if you hate Christmas, you could find something you like in Fred Claus. It's, it's a lot less likely if you hate Christmas because you probably wouldn't watch it anyway. But <laughs> right. I feel like it, 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 has, it has that appeal to it. I, I think if you ignore the, the visual effects and that, yes, that that message... I think, I think the message in Fred Claus is more important than any of the messages in Elf. I would say yeah. that. Like, I will say, I will give credit where credit to I think Elf is probably a funnier movie. Yeah, uh, I'm not as big into um, Will Ferrell's style of humor, but I, I like him in that movie. But so I would say Elf is a funnier movie. I I think he plays that. We are uh, uh, at the Avalon where I work. We do an annual Christmas production, and this year we are actually doing Elf. Um, That's awesome. They they did a limited release of the rights to the to the musical, and we were one of the ones that got it. That's awesome. Um, so I've I've actually been in the these scripts quite a lot, um, and I think the at the the musical adaptation of Elf lost a lot of what made Elf so good, um, and I think one of those things was Will how Will Ferrell chose to perform Elf, Buddy. Yeah, uh, it was so innocent mm-hmm. na- and naive yeah but with a unbreakable optimism yes uh that made that that made elf what it was and john favreau who's i i love yeah his it, work. in in a in a worse director's hand that movie wouldn't have worked i agree yeah like I don't want. I don't want this to be like a Will Ferrell bashing session. But I'm not the biggest fan of a lot of his movies. I feel like if he would have gotten his normal staple of directors to do that movie, I don't think it would have worked. Yeah, yeah. But I think John Favreau is such a talented director that he's got such a precise vision of what he wants that I think that's why it works so well. Nice. But um, yeah, I know it's going to be a hot take, and because I know a lot of people out there love Elf, but like I just I found myself more wanting to rewatch Fred Claus than I did want to watch Elf. And a big part of the re- and there were little things too. Like I feel like it was vi- it didn't hold a whole lot of water, but their whole explanation of why uh Fred and Nick haven't aged much. <laughs> right. Um but like I I loved that 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 opening scene of us getting to see them as children and how that came to be. Yeah. I think um, that was really important to set up for the rest of the film to work. I love the concept that Christmas is a business. That really amused me. <laughs> and, like, seeing the inner workings of how that works. They didn't really explain, like, what agency 
this character was from. Like he's done a no. He's also done a shut down the Easter Bunny and like who? What is this agency? What, so what? like I feel like in that way, Elf works better because like I, they they have a lot less going on, so it's easier to explain away yeah. the, the things that don't make sense. Whereas like okay, uh, Fred Claus just opened up a big fucking world, and now we have a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Um, I do think that the way that they treated it worked for me like i think it was mm-hmm. kind of this charming yeah we're not gonna go into that we're just gonna like, i i think the way that they treated it worked yeah um and like i said the film's not without its flaws i'm not i'm not saying fred claus is a perfect movie by any excuse like it's like oh did we really need two dancing scenes did we need <laughs> you know uh, him dancing to elvis right i love that elvis i love that remix of that song but like was it needed and then, like, I actually kind of liked the second dancing scene where he's teaching the elf how to dance because he's he's uh, he's into Elizabeth Banks. Right. And I was also happy that the film didn't take the turn where, you know, Fred's now going after her, you know, or something, you know. Right. And it's like he wanted his original girlfriend. <laughs> the funniest scene for me in the movie, it was at the very end when, like, he's delivering presents and he shows up in her apartment. <laughs> and he's just, like, pretty much like, I'm moving in now. Yep. Like, this is what's happening. I'll, I'll give you a minute to in. digest it. I'll be on the I'll couch. I'll give you a minute to digest. I, I, you know, I, I lease from my apartment's up, so I don't have any other place to go. <laughs> like, he's just like, you don't have a choice to say no. <laughs> <laughs> this is wrong. We shouldn't be fighting. <laughs> um, I do have to say, his his girlfriend took the news very well that his brother sent <laughs> She did have this kind of like, it's so unbelievable that I no longer have, but I but the evidence is right in front of me that like, okay, I guess this is the way it is. Hello, okay. Santa Claus. <laughs> and then she played it well. She played it charming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And like I said, like I just performances are uh, are um, a big part of the reason this film works yeah. because Paul Giamatti is so good, <laughs> and I think Paul Giamatti is bringing the better side out of Vince Vaughn. Yeah, sure. Because like Vince Vaughn, like I've seen him in great roles, and not even just comedies. Like I said, serious work too. I think like if with the right director and the right other actors, it brings a lot out of him. Yeah. Hell. The movie Brawl in Cell Block 99 had a five-minute scene of him beating the shit out of a car, and I thought it was the most captivating scene I'd seen all year. Nice. Um, we saw him, and we, we did the, the cell. Yeah, this, and he was good in that, with too. A, with a dramatic role. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know, so, like, little things just, like, you know, when he, he – when when Santa gave Nick – or Fred his gift, and it said, so, I'm sorry for cutting down your tree. And it was oh, the birdhouse, that was another and, one. And it just like it, you're seeing the humanity come back to Fred. Yeah. And let us not forget about the the great Frank Stallone. Here we go. Okay, Frank. So- who else a, was it's that? It's got Ace Stallone. Uh, <laughs> Bill Clinton's brother, uh, which I found out was his actual real brother. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, they're all. Um, then one of the uh, bald Stephen, Stephen Baldwin. Baldwin. <laughs> Stephen. My favorite of the Baldwins. Fun fact. Hit <laughs> the way like. That's not Alec, Stephen. <laughs> Stephen, that's not Alec. That's not Alec. <laughs> that support group scene is the best. <laughs> you like? I was a little worried because you had built it up so much, 
and it fucking delivered. Yes, yes, it's still it's still <laughs> And I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it throughout the entire movie. We started getting closer and closer to the end. It's like, where the fuck's that support group scene? <laughs> I thought it was gonna come at the beginning or something, or like, no, that was timed great. The <laughs> it was so fucking good. <laughs> there, where they have. Uh, I don't remember Bill Clinton's brother's name, which is perfect because you don't remember them. Um, yeah. and Roger. He, what's that? Roger Clinton Roger. Jr. Okay. Uh, and he keeps, well, I have something to say. It's like, no, let this other guy talk. And then, all right, well, um, you know, I've been having a really tough time. And, you know, my brother's Santa Claus. And, oh, this is, that's it. I it's like like, i'm gonna beat that's what he's gonna beat the shit out of him and everything is it was it was great um yeah that that really just it it worked so well (laughs) and i also love like like frank stallone is like i don't hate my brother in fact i love my brother right yeah (laughs) and we we've had that well this is how it got brought up before where we've had the discussion about frank stallone and then like that narrative that that we were exploring was part of this film it was yeah. so great <laughs> yeah um so yeah I, I found myself really really appreciating that uh i had a point i wanted to make and i forgot what Damn. it was it wasn't it wasn't anything super important um um Oh, one thing I loved early on in the film, and it really, like, it sets up very early on the type of person that Fred is, is when Slam is um, about to get taken away by that organization, and he runs into Fred's apartment and doesn't question it at all, and they're like, they're like, Slam, what's wrong? And the people come, and it's like, um, they ask, who, is, who are you? And he goes, I'm the kid's father. Yep. Like, doesn't fucking think about it at all. It's like, no, I'm here to I'm here to protect this kid. Yep. And I was like, oh. Because, like, you know, the opening scene with when we actually get Vince Vaughn, he's being kind of an asshole and he's repossessing that girl's TV. <laughs> and, you know, it's like he's being charming Vince nuts? Vaughn asshole. <laughs> he's being charming Vince Vaughn asshole. Yeah. But, like, when that scene happens, it's like it, it starts peppering in early on that, oh, maybe he's not the piece of shit that – He's coming yeah. across it. Well, and it, it speaks to to that broader theme that they build up to at the end. Like, Vince Vaughn is the not... He was considered the naughty kid, and he sees other mm-hmm. naughty kids, and he knows that they're not naughty. He knows that they're good kids. And he's going to protect those good kids from people who write them off because the world thinks that they're naughty. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to seen of um like if there would have been like a chart or something of like all the 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 previous naughty kids or something if he would have found his own name on it oh yeah yeah i think that could that could have been interesting because like i'm sure once santa devised the system he couldn't ignore the fact that his brother was on it right you know i don't know i think that could have been interesting um but no i like i said like it's, it's an unpopular opinion but i just i i i have i have more want and desire to go back to fred claus which is a movie i had no no interest in fucking seeing yep. um before you gave it such a shining um <laughs> a shining uh, review and i found myself liking it because i feel like it's it's exactly what i like out of these christmas movies and then it, it hurts me a little bit when there's like i see reviews for it and they're like it's it's tone deaf and unfunny and all this other shit i'm like you're a fucking grinch <laughs> right <laughs> you're a fucking grinch 
Oh, I love when they say it's predictable. Is predictability really a fucking crime? <laughs> Cinema's been around for a hundred fucking years. Right. Usually Get things are yourself. predictable because good stories follow a formula for the most part. <laughs> yeah. We know what the, you know, usually, like, anytime you go see, not every time, but it's like, you go see an action movie, he's going to fucking wind up with the girl. Right. It happens. <laughs> like, fuck There's going to be explosions. He's going to beat the bad guy despite the odds. You know? <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I love that this movie was very, you know, opening narration is like, this is, this movie is about Fred. Yeah. yeah. You know, Santa's involved. And that's why even, it's subtle, it's subtle, but even in my introduction to the film my first word was fred has a brother yep yep i wasn't santa claus has a brother no fred has a brother that's right because it's about him this movie's about fred (laughs) it was a great intro yeah thank you that that was honestly one of my favorites i've wrote it was very concise but it also had um it it was it wasn't just a recap it it was compelling thank you thank you (laughs) Because it's it's hard to these are these are hard to write. I bet, <laughs> especially because I don't give myself enough time, and I usually write them five minutes before I come on. What? <laughs> that one I wrote about a half hour before I came on, so I had a little bit more time. Um, cat just ran by. <laughs> All right, so I think uh, unless I there's think something else it. you want to say about those, um, uh, no, I think that's it. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, Oh, I guess the last thing I will say, I felt like Jeffrey Dean Morgan's cameo was very, um, just kind of thrown in. It's like, you could have had any guy in that role as the person who was, like, going after um, Fred's girlfriend, but you cast Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Like, why? Was that supposed to come back again later on? Because, like, when I saw him, I was like, I know that guy. I know right. that actor. Oh, okay, so this is going to be another whole thread. Nope. Nope. I, I'm really. It's a lot of star. It's a lot of star power for one line. I, I I was hoping so much that he would woo her. They would get married. We would learn that her name is actually Lucille, and then he would lose her just before the zombie apocalypse <laughs> and name his bat after her. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that. That was, it's that was nice. A Walking Dead origin story. That's what Fred Claus actually is. It could have even been that uh, you know his last name is Winchester. Uh, that was a supernatural reference. He played the Winchester Boys. Uh, oh, okay. Supernatural. Okay. I didn't. I didn't watch that. I didn't really watch it either. I just know. No, enough of the. I've seen like the yeah. first half of the first season. So it's. I'd like it to watch really more. To, it never super appealed to me, but I'm willing to give it a shot. I the the fan base is so rabid, and it's mm-hmm. stuck around for so long. Like. I have a hard time believing I wouldn't buy into it once I gave it the time. I'm just like, I, I look at how many seasons there are. I'm like, god it, damn, 15 it's, seasons, about it's a 25 heavy episodes each with an hour each. Like, yep. I don't have that kind of time in my right? life. Right? How am I going to rewatch The Simpsons for the fourth time? <laughs> that was the biggest laugh I got out of you all, all day. <laughs> Really, who has time for this? <laughs> who has time not to watch The Simpsons? God damn! <laughs> now it's all on Disney Plus, and it's all within with all it's, it's all within yeah. reach. And yeah. so, speaking of Disney Plus and John Favreau, uh, have you seen The Mandalorian yet? Yes, I am all caught up. Uh, as am I. God damn, Baby Yoda! They knocked you know, it out of the park. Squeal! <laughs> ah! 
<laughs> like, I'm not normally that guy where it's just like, oh my god, cute. <laughs> I'm like, I'm that guy right now. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> and like, I feel like everyone else on the internet right now, but it's like, I can't do it. Yeah, that. no. Especially playing against, like, the straightness of the never unmasked Mandalorian. I just love his size. He's like, <laughs> when when he picks him up and moves yep. him around. My favorite like video, like uh, uh, meme going around online is a video of every t- when he's playing with the like the button. Yeah, and it's just him playing music. It, it, it's him playing with the radio. Yeah, and they've they've dubbed in different songs. Uh, Toto's Africa is one of my that favorites. That was the first one I saw. Um, I think I saw one with. Um, Y'all gonna make me lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. that, that was a great one. <laughs> like what I've been really enjoying about that show is one I, I um, even Elf. Like I said, Elf's not my favorite movie, but I like it. There's not been a movie I've disliked by John Favreau yeah. yet that I've seen that he's directed. Like I'm sure he's been in movies that he acted in that I'm not a big fan <laughs> of. Though he's really great. In uh, a movie called PCU, if you've not, seen I it. have seen PCU, and to this he's day. Really- I will not wear the band, uh, the shirt of the band I'm going to see. Yeah. I, he was my favorite part about that movie. Uh, and the fact that Jeremy Renner is essentially Ryan Reynolds before Ryan Reynolds was a thing. <laughs> right. Back when he was two guys, a girl, in a pizza place. Yeah. Um, but like I've loved pretty much every movie John Favreau's made. Um, and especially like if you get a chance to listen to any of his commentary tracks, just listen to him break down choices he's made. Is it's you could tell he's one of us. He's a he's a nerd. He's a fan. He loves this stuff. Um, like I, I remember hearing him on the Iron Man two commentary. He was talking about like he wanted to do like these violent robot scenes, but he's like, you can't really do violence with robots. But he's like, I was watching Samurai Jack, and I realized they would do beheadings of robots and have oil coming out. It's like, oh, you can do something really violent and gory where it's still PG because it's oil. Right. <laughs> nice. So then, like, there's oil on all the characters and just spraying around. He's like, because I watched Samurai Jack, and I realized if they can do that on Cartoon Network, I can do it. Awesome. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's such a great pull. Yeah. But, like, um, him, but it's not even just John Favreau. You know, Dave Filani is a big part of that show as well, and he's best known as the creative mind behind, like, Star Wars Clone Wars TV show, okay. um, Star Wars Rebels. He's been doing pretty much all the TV shows, and he worked directly hand-in-hand with George Lucas. That's actually one thing that makes Clone Wars interesting is that it was developed by George Lucas, and it's still canon, so it's like George Lucas's influence is still in yeah. the in the oeuvre of star wars um but dave full like i love that they've taken like these influences from like samurai films and like westerns yeah. and like i there's very little plot in these film in these in these episodes but it's slowly building to something and i love that they come only come once a week so it gives me something to like munch on and think about yeah. and i wish more shows would do that I know we live in a world of, of binging culture where it's like it's about uh, how much content you can consume and not necessarily the quality of the content. But if they would have done this with Stranger Things, I feel like it would be a way better experience for everyone because then we're kind of riding the high together. Yeah. I'm having conversations at work with people about The Mandalorian. And I never had that with any – like. it's like, oh, did you watch Stranger Things? Yeah, I watched it all in a day. What would you think of it? It was good. Right, because you, like, you consumed so much. There's so much to break down that there's no to start. But now it's like, start. oh, what would you think – the last episode of the mandalorian oh i thought it was great i think 
uh, Mando's this. Oh, I think uh, Baby Yoda's, you know, I think that he's a clone. I think that he's a, you know, a baby. I think that this, 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 and this. It's like, oh, what do you think Werner Herzog's character is going to play into it? It's, <laughs> right. like, it's, you know, you're... It's essentially what we're doing, like what we're doing on this show on a week-to-week basis. Yep. I think my favorite thing about The Mandalorian is that they brought Star Wars back to being a space western. Yep. And it works so damn well. Mm-hmm. I agree. All Big right. fan of The Mandalorian. Well, yeah. on that note, um, shall we shall we wrap it up? I think so. I gotta clean up some dog. Poop. <laughs> I have to install a video stream. For fun. Yeah. We both got shit to do. Yeah. <laughs> um so uh before we go, happy anniversary. Thank you, thank you. It's it's past. Uh oh, you meant the show anniversary. I thought you meant like my own personal anniversary. Oh yeah, no. Which did pass as well. But no, it, it, I'm so glad we did this show. Yeah. I'm like it's it's probably the highlight of my week. The editing sometimes is not the not the most fun for me, but I love I love sitting down and discussing movies with you. I love trying to figure out like, oh, what can we watch next? Yeah. And it's like I said, it's the highlight for me. It's it, this is dumb, but I I honestly feel I feel like it gives me purpose in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's not dumb. Because you know, when I was more actively making films, I watched films as influence and inspiration. Before I had the podcast, when I wasn't making as much, I would watch films and I would have to think, sit there and think, why am I watching this? You know, enjoyment's part of it, but it's like I feel like I needed something. I needed some sort of fuel. Podcast kind of brought that back for me. It's like now I, I watch movies the way I used to. Yeah. So. That's awesome. It, it's reconnected me to the thing I love. For me, it's reconnected me to the thing I love. You. Thank you. <laughs> this is such a sweet, wholesome episode. Right? Um, all right. Well, as always, find us on the the places. Yep, we are everywhere that podcasts can be listened to. We are on Spotify. We are at Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Play Music. We are in Stitcher Radio, and we are on Libsyn. Rate, review, subscribe. All those things happen. All those things very much help us. Not happen. They very much help us. <laughs> they would help and, us more if they happened. <laughs> yeah, and we are a bi-weekly podcast. We are going to be here every other week for you. You know, uh, I'm going to be releasing a bunch of bonus episodes. We're going to take a little bit of time off to give us some time to recharge and watch movies we want to watch. <laughs> you know, as opposed to things that we have to watch. And um, unless unless you got something else I don't. to say. If you're not down with that, I've got two words for you. Watch Fred Claus is better oh, than Elf. Damn it! <laughs> I decided very last minute I was gonna do that. Best ending ever. Bye. I'm all I want for
Christmas is two gold front teeth and ten carat diamonds on a fat gold wreath that I can wear around my neck. Get money and respect. Tell Santa Claus to bring a ten million dollar check so I can spread a little cheer. Fly a couple lives, eat a little chicken, drink a couple beers, kick back and just chill like a player would do. Remix all the Christmas carols, then I'll play them for you. Luda, turn it up until I wake up all the neighbors. They say that I'm a nuisance, but I say they all some haters. Just because I'm poor, they always calling me a faker. And cause my Christmas tree's decorated in toilet paper. But little do they know, they about to see a show. Cause when they come up out the house, I'm gonna blast them with some snow. Frosty's never seen nothing quite like this. And St. Nick's never seen nothing quite like Chris. So, um. Come shine the Come shine the